I'm Michael Hall. And I'm Andy Davis. And we want to welcome you to The Day Advantage, the D&D podcast where two old school dads talk about new school play. And combat. Let's <laughs> yes, get ready no to rumble. No dad joke today. Oh, sorry. No, What's that? No dad joke, just combat. Just combat. Just combat. I gotta, we might have some dad jokes. Okay. That's Probably cool. in the, the while we're fighting. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, turn it and integrate <laughs> the dad jokes into it. I've got a punchline for a good dad joke. It's a faux pas. So there you go. I got one. <laughs> That's okay. punchline. You can yeah. make up whatever some sort of, We got to come up with a tabaxi joke to go in front of the faux pas. Faux pas. Yes, that's right. <laughs> All right. Excellent, people. This is episode four in our sort of D&D dad vice series where we're just basically talking about introduction to the game. I mean, of course, it's a little bit more advanced than that, but we're, we're basically walking through how do you play. We've created three characters and now we're going to run these characters through a series of little combats, some places where I'm going to be the DM and Andy's going to run all three and some, well, then we'll flip it and we'll just see how it goes. Just to give yep. you a flavor for how combat works. This is all going to be theater of the mind. We'll do our best to describe the the layout of the combat so you can get a sense for it. It's a little hard, of course, when you don't have the visual and you've never played before, but I think we'll give you a good sense of how combat works. Andy, anything to add before we jump in? I don't think so. I think this is going to be a mix of explaining how combat goes. And also, we'll probably drop in some notes on like how you might design an encounter as mm -hmm. a DM and like yeah. what you, how you make the calculation of making something challenging without necessarily always wiping out your party. Yeah, this will be um, curious. Especially at first level. At first yeah. level. <laughs> we, we do this and we TPK the character. Yeah, yeah that'd be pretty funny. <laughs> guys, guys, guys. It was all non lethal combat. It was all right, non lethal like, combat. You all woke up in the alley. <laughs> Right. Completely right. Uh, removed of all your equipment and money. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, so I, I'm going to be the DM on the first go-round, and then and, and then we'll flip it. So, Andy, we're gonna just going to jump right in. I don't think yeah. there's any reason. So I'll give you the prompts on where you are and how you got there, and then you will go back and forth and describe the three characters, and then we'll do the whole role we'll initiative thing, right? Like, yep. that's, how you, that's how this whole game works. I'm probably going to be, I don't know whether you are you, I'm going to probably run the combat in D&D Beyond. So I'll describe some of the things I'm doing there and I'll probably roll dice in D&D Beyond. We have our three characters who we'll introduce once again a little in a second. Yeah. But these three characters have found themselves at the Thirsty Cougar, where we start all of our great uh, <laughs> builds, um, our favorite tavern in the Shattered Chasm. And what's interesting about the Thirsty Cougar tonight, Andy, is it's Goblin Night at the Thirsty Cougar. What? I know. Goblin Night? Who knew there was such a thing as Goblin Night? <laughs> but there is, it is Goblin Night at the, at the Thirsty Cougar. So as our three characters enter the bar, this dark and dank 45 foot by 45 foot room, there's a bar running along the right side as they walk in. And there's a, sort of an open floor with a few tables and a big fireplace on the left and some booths. But it is filled with goblins. Yeah. And these goblins are having a good time. It's uh, goblin Partying night. it up. It's, it's yeah. goblin night. Andy, why don't you describe to me who we see as our characters walk into goblin night at the Thirsty Cougar? Yeah, so leading the leading the rest of the group in, he's he had heard about Goblin Knight and really wants to check it out. Is our friend Templeton von Dutch? He is a bugbear, so he's quite tall but fairly lean and dressed in leather armor. Has a couple of has a rapier at his side and a couple of daggers in his 
just smiling, charming his way with Olympia and, and St. Vincent. Awesome. I'll take St. Vincent. St. Vincent has taken to not walking anywhere late. He just, he's decided that walking's for losers. And why is that? Because St. Vincent is a fairy. And St. Vincent is a goth fairy at that. St. Vincent's about three foot five, a little on the tall side maybe for a fairy, but, mm-hmm. but still small, much, much smaller than Dutch or Pancake. St. Vincent is a cleric. Uh, and a twilight cleric at that. So he loves the dusk. He loves the darkness. And so much so that he has rebelled against his pink hair and dyed it black, but he can't hide his pink butterfly wings. He's floated in. He's also wearing dark leathers. He's got a little bit of eyeliner. He has a mace at his side, but he does not use it. Yeah. Uh, he is, he, and he's sort of flying in so he doesn't feel so short with with pancake or dutch around he's putting in so he's a little bit more maybe not at eye height but certainly not half their height either and then yeah so we have a bugbear we have our fairy and then the last person to walk in quite broad of shoulder i think not quite as tall as dutch but certainly much much heftier is our friend olympia strong runner aka pancake She's got a Warhammer at her side. She's wearing chainmail. Just generally, I think, pretty good-natured, interested to see this knight. Not, has, like, no fear. I don't think, Pancake has no fear about about this. If Dutch is feeling any worries about walking in on Goblin Knight, he's not going to show it either. As a, as a bugbear and a hobgoblin, they're goblinoids. They might have some reason to be there. But yeah, so yeah, I think, but he leads them up to the bar talks to the barkeep and is trying to order some drinks. All right. Well, I think the way this is going to start, and we're not going to belabor the the role play too much, but while Dutch is ordering his drink, he gets shoved rather rudely by another goblin at the bar who basically says, Hey, buddy, watch where you're going, String Bean. Oh, he just, he is, you know, he just turns to him and I think he just straight up shoves the guy back. (laughs) he's not gonna he's not gonna worry about that uh too much and yeah i mean i think he just shoves the guy back and he's you know just kind of in his face like i've got as much reason to be here as you do you know all right so this is how first encounters go from a dm perspective you don't you, you can role play this all you want you can do all your descriptions in your first session I think the point is to just rip the Band-Aid off and get into some momentum. And the starting in a bar and a tavern is always the best way to do it. Um, <laughs> not the only way. There are a million ways. It's certainly the most common. Because it's just the point here is just to get everybody familiar with their characters and see what's what. In this case, all three characters know each other. Sometimes you'll do it in order to introduce the characters to each other. But I think what's happened now is barely two seconds into walking into this bar <laughs> our trio has found themselves in a combat yeah and these goblins are pissed off about these maybe maybe they take a front at all these tall i think it, i think it, yeah i think it's all the height down yeah, something like that especially it's especially dutch all right Andy, i'm gonna say roll initiative Okay, I'm rolling some initiative. Now, surprisingly, Dutch, for all that he has a pretty good initiative bonus, rolled a six. Oh, yeah. He rolled a four plus two for a six. Pancake rolled, also has a plus two in our initiative. They rolled an eight. And then St. Vincent's, who everybody's got a plus two, they rolled an 11. So among us, we have a 13, a 10, and an eight. 
Yeah, but it the, looks the, like the goblins actually rolled going first. But what we do in these games is that if you've got a consistent monster, you have all that monster go on the same initiative order, and the goblins rolled a 16. So the goblins are going first. They oh. they were actually looking for a fight, maybe, is yeah, the way maybe. to think about this, and they are all into it. So there are two... There, there are, our heroes are at the entrance of the this room, uh, at the bar, there are two goblins at the bar, and there are three goblins at a table on the other side of the room right. uh, near the fireplace. So describing the layout here, the three uh, goblins are 20 feet away, and two goblins are within 10 feet yeah. of our party. We're all up against the bar, as you would expect. Dutch and Pancake are closer to the rest of the goblins, and Saint is slightly back behind them. Just think of them as... This yeah. happens sometimes. Sometimes you don't get initiative, and it's going to be... It can be <laughs> it a little bit be rough. bad. It's really be ugly, everybody. Level. Maybe the DM will be kind to our party. Okay, so goblin number one. What are they going to do? The two next two are going to go first, because they were really... They were the ones itching for a fight. Two goblins at the bar pull out their scimitars and say, let's go, tall stuff. And this is why hard. this is why Goblin Night only happens once every couple of months. <laughs> right, the, the, Cougar, the cleanup. Because the property damage is brutal. They make a lot of money, but the property damage, not so great. So these two goblins are going to try to cut off everybody. And so got the, their movement speed is 30, which is normal. So they're going to move around, and they're going to engage with our two tough guys. Or tough, one tough gal and one tough guy. And what they can do is that they move. Um, once you get within five feet of somebody, you're considered engaged with them, which means if you move out of that five-foot range, you can produce a, an opportunity attack. But you can slide around the yeah. character in any of the spots. It's within five feet. So goblin number two is going to rush in, and he's going to take a swipe. They're, they're just going to go after Dutch, I think, right off the gate. Dutch that is, the one is an 18 off. to hit. Uh, Michael, I think an 18 does hit. Oof. That is seven points of damage to Dutch. Oh. <laughs> That's not good, everybody. Dutch is starting this combat with 10 hit points. Oh. That is, that is why it is so dangerous to get into combat in first, yeah. first level. Man, All right. The next goblin is going to move up and also going to attack Dutch. And they roll an 11. That is not going to hit my friend Olympia. All right. So that's... Their AC is... Uh, that was Dutch. They both attack Dutch. That will miss Dutch. So okay. one hit, one misses. So this is also why it's really dangerous to not get initiative because all yeah. these characters get to go first. So they're going to be dealing some damage maybe before. I think the three at the, at the back, one is going to pull out his scimitar and charge pancake and try yep. to prevent pancake from moving around too much so there we've now founded our heroes at the bar so they are in a very limited space right now with two yep. goblins pressing dutch up against the bar and one goblin pressing pancake up against the bar and this third goblin is going to roll to hit pancake and rolls oh. a 15. uh that will miss pancake Okay, and then our last two goblins have decided that they are going to help their, the best help they can provide is to use their short bows. And they are each going to take a shot at Pancake since their friend missed. Okay. Rolling a 19, oh my God, Andy, and a 21. 
those will both hit pink. Okay, so one does three points of damage, and the other does five points of damage. That's eight total. Okay. So Wow, this uh, is not good for our heroes. Five goblins facing off, and all the yeah. goblins have done a little bit of damage. Let's hope our heroes can recover. Yeah, so uh, just to keep people in the loop, Pancake started with 14. She is down to six hit points. Dutch started with 10, and he is down to three as this oh round my of God. combat they starts. They can't take another hit. Uh, Dutch, one more hit, Dutch will be down. But luckily, St. Vincent is starting now. Combat-wise, not necessarily a ton of great stuff, but she has two spells which are really useful in this moment. Uh, she could move forward and cast Cure Wounds. This is a like a tactical thing, right? She could move forward and cast Cure Wounds on Dutch, but that doesn't actually improve the situation for the whole party overall. So she's going to cast Sleep, which is in a 20-foot radius. One thing to know radius, about that's... spells is that just because you're casting a spell doesn't mean that you can avoid hitting your allies. Yeah. So you have to place your spells properly <laughs> to uh, not encapsulate your allies in the spell effect. That's what Andy's considering. Right. right. So looking... and, and specifically the way Sleep works is you roll 5d8, and that is the hit point total that you will basically knock unconscious and it starts with the lowest hit point person in the radius and then goes up from there so if you have so what to cast that means this. i can cast this and lay it atop on all of the goblins but it will start with dutch and pancake so they will take the first nine hit points of whatever this whatever total number of hit points of, of sleep that I'm able to put out. So I think I can position it a little further back and catch the two goblins that are attacking Dutch. Yep. But, and the two goblins with the bows in the back without, but that will leave uh, the goblin that's attacking Pancake basically unmolested. So that's what I'm going to do and hope that I roll well enough on my, my sleep that I am able to knock all right, let's see if Saint can save the day. So, so watch you, Andy, why don't you read the spell out for everybody? So yeah, we, yeah, yeah. Start, we always recommend reading the spell out, particularly at the beginning, so everybody yep. gets familiar with what they can do. So this spell sends creatures into a magical slumber. You roll 5d8. I rolled 25 hit points worth, Ooh, essentially. That is fantastic. Good. Yeah, so creatures within 25 hit points are affected in ascending order of their current hit points, ignoring people who are already unconscious. So you start with the creature that is the lowest current hit points, and then each creature affected by this spell falls unconscious until the spell ends. The sleeper takes damage, or someone uses an action to wake them up. You subtract each creature's hit points from the total by moving and moving on to the creature with the next lowest hit points. They must be equal or less than the remaining total for that creature to be affected. More than likely, two of these guys are going to be asleep. Yeah, so the excellent the thing here, um, and this is where you get into DM discretion. So I know that I just put these my brand new characters in their first encounter in an incredibly hard position by rolling really well and hitting on almost all of my attacks. Yeah. And so I'm going to be a nice DM. And since all these goblins have the same hit points, I get to choose which goblins are going to be affected first right. and i'm going to say that because the sleeps but because of saints positioning and the sleep spell going off that it's going to be the two i'm going to start with the two that are closest to dutch and so again now granted the other two have bows it's kind of irrelevant they can all yeah. attack 
but I'm going to yeah. be kind and at least get that way Dutch can have some some opportunities to move and do things and not be all boxed in. And also from a resources perspective, I have St. Vincent. St. has two spell slots. I've used one of them. Okay. Right. So this means that I could cast sleep again. I could cast fairy fire, but I can only cast one other sort of major spell and we'll, we'll hope it works out. Yeah. Well, 25 is a fantastic role against goblins. So we're going to show how, and we've always yeah. said that sleep is a really powerful spell. We said it when we selected it, particularly at these early levels. So the very first thing that's happened is I'm going to take the goblin that is on Dutch's right. He has seven hit points. So he has oh. gone to sleep. Oh, wow. I might get three of these guys. Uh, yeah, right? That's what that's I'm saying. That's pretty awesome. And then we go to the goblin on Dutch's left. And he also has seven hit points, so he is also asleep. So that's two goblins. They they were all like, Yar! and they're like, oh, yeah. and, boom, and they fall to the ground asleep. Yeah. Uh, we have now consumed 14 of the 25 uh, on Andy's score. So we have, what is that? Uh, we have 11 left. Now we're going to move to the two goblins that have their bows in the back. And the first one also has seven hit points. So they are now down. So we're now at 21 of the 25. That means there's four left in the sleep score and, or in the, in the damage, I put in air quotes, cause it's not really yeah. damage. That is not enough. This remaining goblin also has seven hit points. That is not enough to put the fourth goblin to sleep, but three out of the five goblins are now asleep, leaving us with two. Now, if any of our heroes were to attack or jostle or do anything to these goblins, they will wake up. So we have to be very mindful. But other right. than that, we have two goblins left and Dutch and Pancake are up. And I just, and also like as an alternate for what you were saying about how you picked the, yep. as a DM, if you didn't want to sort of give special consideration, you could have just as easily rolled a D4. Yeah. You know, you could have rolled a D4 and just assigned them one through four and rolled like, oh, that these one, two, out of the four, I know it's going to affect four of them. This one doesn't get affected yeah, or something like right. that. You know, there's, there, are there are a million ways to do it. Do it. it actually doesn't really matter. <laughs> and in fact, I may have put yeah. you in a more awkward position because the one that's remaining has a bow and is far away from you. So yes. it's up to you to decide whether I did you any favors or not. Yeah. In this case, we've got Pancake. Pancake's just got hit by a bunch of arrows, but there's somebody standing in front of them. I think they're kind of pissed about that. They're going to unlimber their Warhammer. And that is a 17 to hit. So you're attacking the goblin that is immediately in I'm front a, of you? I'm attacking the goblin that's immediately in front of Pancake. I don't think Pancake's terribly sophisticated about this stuff yeah, at this point. Right. And kind of pissed I'm, off, I would assume. Yeah, I'm kind of pissed off. Uh, I do 10 points of bludgeoning damage. All right, so Pancake immediately just reacts and gives a slam into this goblin. And here's why Pancake is Pancake. Pancake, Pancake's this goblin. And you give me a description <laughs> of what happens to this. Yeah. This room, this goblin who all, at first, all the goblins <laughs> were like, yeah. And like, we got him. Because they yep. all went first. And then all of a sudden, this goblin has discovered that that is not exactly what's going down but, right now. Yes. And then I think Pancake so describe, is give, give, let's, let's do a little flair. Give me, give me sort yeah, of like, yeah, what, yeah. what does I it think, look you like know, when, when... So I think, you know, Pancake, this all started, I don't think, I think Pancake was like facing the bar and like, <laughs> like looking for their drink and like all this stuff kind of starts next to him. I don't think that 
That That's she, why they were all surprised. They're like, yeah, they're like, they, they should have been the, aware we that we Dutch just was got get here. How Dutch? How are you starting a fight? And we just got here. All of a sudden, these two guys are like smashing on on Dutch. They kind of turn around, and you know, there's you know, they turn around enough to stop the guy who's like who swings a scimitar at him. But then two arrows from a distance, and they're just you know, she's. She's like, I've had enough of this, you know, and just I think quite a lot of athletic flair pulls the Warhammer off her hip, spins it around, grabs it and just absolutely clocks this guy with the side of the with the side of the the Warhammer, just knocks him sprawling across the floor. And then it's going to take her movement and seeing that these three of these guys actually kind of like she saw St. Vincent, you know, she saw St. cast a spell. Three of them collapsed and there's one standing. She can't attack, but she can use her movement to move up to the the last one who's got the bow, right? Awesome. And the reason to do that is she knows that she knows that Dutch, who started all this, has not yet acted, but is if she is providing this presence, Dutch can kind of slide in on the side. They've fought together before. Right. Can kind of slide in on the side and take advantage of her being there. Right. You know. So, which and is I think exactly- also, you know, we we've talked about the role of the tank um, in many, and that's how we built Pancake. Mm-hmm. The, the role of the tank is to engage the characters, the monsters, the enemies as quickly as possible in order to prevent them from attacking right. their allies. Right. And in particular, injured allies, yeah. by engaging with your enemy means that they are going to have trouble if they stay close to that character, if they move out of range, they provoke, provoke an opportunity attack. And this character has a bow, so it's going to, if this character continues yeah. to use a bow, it's going to be problematic for them. Right. Okay. Love it. That was an incredibly productive uh, repost. Yes. Yes. And I think Dutch, he's hurt, right? You know, he's, 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 he got, you know, whacked pretty bad by these two guys, but they're unconscious and kind of at his feet. And I think he, you know, he draws his rapier and he starts to consider just stabbing them where they lay and then realizes that there's still one in front of the fireplace that is standing in front of Pancake, who's also been hurt. And so he is going to use his... Not hurt, uninjured. Pancake's... The goblin's uninjured. Pancake's Pancakes injured, right? So he is going to slide up and is going to attack with his rapier, which he, he rolled a six plus five is an 11. That hit our goblin? It does not. Our, it does our not. goblins, well, the Scarborn doesn't have their shield on because they're using their bow. So er, their armor class is a 13. So that is still a miss. So still insufficient. That's basically what he can do at this point. He could use a, I mean, he'll take a, he will do a bonus. He'll do a bonus action dagger attack. He does have two weapon fighting. So what this means is I can attack with it, but I don't believe you get none of the I don't get yeah, I don't get a I don't get any my I don't would you consider possibly using one of his uh, roguish uh, bonus actions possibly he doesn't have them yet oh, he doesn't have them yet, he doesn't get them first level level. cunning action comes at second level I'll, so this will just be a straight roll if he, so at that point, the reason we I asked that is that if, if he were to disengage, that means move back out of range of this goblin, yeah. which would be a good move given that he only has three hit points, he would provoke an opportunity attack and possibly be knocked unconscious or killed right then yeah. and there. So he does have, he rolled a 13 
That's just a straight, a flat 13 with no modifiers. So he does actually hit. He does hit. Hit that time. So that is going to be a D4. It's actually, so it's going to be a D4 because he's next to an ally. He does get sneak attack. Oh, so look at that. Um, 1d6. So he gets he gets a d4 and a d6 plus 3, which is I don't think oh. he gets the plus 3 though with uh on with a uh Oh, with the offhand. Yeah, offhand. That Well, he rolled a on the the surprise on the sneak attack he rolled out of his d6 he rolled a 6. Oh. And on the 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 d4 he rolled a 2. Well, <laughs> that is which still the, enough. These goblins are not hardy. Um, which is sort of the the challenge of all first level encounters. They only have seven hit points. Yeah. Dutch manages to, he misses with his rapier, but has his rapier and his dagger out and manages to just sneak in that second little dagger attack underneath the goblin's defenses and actually takes out this final goblin. Maybe they aren't. Maybe these are not lethal blows. You know, you can choose. What I, you can what choose I was going to say is, I, I think, I think Saint Vincent would then cast Spare the Dying on the the last the two goblins, and then they would buy rounds of drinks for the rest of the goblins, and they'd probably spend the rest of the night at the bar carousing with the goblins if the goblins are up for having these. Uh, uh, absolutely, I, th- I think everybody. Uh, the the I think these goblins have probably been bothering all the other goblins all night <laughs> yeah. long and trying to start a fight. And this just happened to be the fight that they actually managed to start. Yeah. The final goblin drops, and no- noticing that these these three new heroes that have entered the bar really weren't trying to kill anybody, they were just defending themselves, <laughs> and didn't actually kill anybody. Mm-hmm. The, I think probably the bartender throws the goblins out finally, and and the rest of the bar rises up, and and everybody has a good time for the rest of the evening. Yeah. I'll, 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 a couple of things. That was a pretty quick encounter. That's how it goes, particularly yeah. early early game um encounters generally are three rounds and we managed to really just do one round because of how low hit point everybody is we also have some again we used sleep spell incredibly well we didn't go deep into sort of the action economy i think in the next combat maybe we talk a little bit more about the action economy but we you have a general sense of how it works and this is the in my mind as a beginner dm don't get too obsessive about the the details it can be run as simply as we just ran yeah. it. You're in, you're out. A couple things happened. Everybody got benefits out of it. Um, if you were doing experience points, I don't know if all the characters would level up. Maybe they would, maybe they wouldn't. Generally um, from first level, you would assume like one combat encounter that it doesn't take much in terms of XP if you're tracking XP. Yeah. My general rule is like first level encounters like this are really to teach the players how to deal with like the conceptual framework of it and i would normally like just i would normally level you would level up after, i sometimes after hold the first I, I sometimes wait till the second encounter depending yeah. on how much happened in that first encounter or how dangerous it was well i mean we're gonna have a second encounter right now we are so flip uh, it around yeah flip it around so let's do a second encounter this was an encounter against multiple enemies we're gonna do another combat or we're gonna flip the script and Andy's going to take the DM role and I'm going to play our three little characters. Andy, why don't you describe the situation? Uh, the party's heard a rumor that uh, outside town, there's some sort of fell creature. He's been maybe harassing nearby travelers. Basically, um, they know that there is a ruin. There's like a, a sort of a ruined tower keep nearby that. Uh, and so one 
foggy late afternoon, early evening. They decide to go there and check it out and maybe see if they can't deal with this threat to their community. And so they climb up a small hill. They step past some broken down towers and walls and into a large courtyard that is probably, I don't know, I would say it's sort of irregularly shaped, but it's roughly 50 by 60 or so. On the far side of the courtyard, they see the remaining walls of this keep and structure, but stepping out of the fog towards them across the way is a large hulking human, maybe looks somewhat similar to an orc, but a but a stronger build, heavily armored, and in a thuggish voice, you know, calls out. What are you doing here? This is my place. Get out. I think Pancake would step forward and say, your days of bothering travelers in this area are done, beast. And it's going to take us into some action. Yeah, there we go. All right. So what do we do when we start a combat, Andy? What does the DM say? Let's roll some initiative. All righty. I did not roll well. Well, it's not the best. Pancake did not do particularly well. Wow. This is not going well. It's nearly impossible for you to do worse than me. In fact, I would say (laughs) it is. It is impossible. I did not do worse than you. Our characters have um, not quite Uh, found their way. I will say... I noticed on St. Vincent does have a fey feature that allows her to grant initiative on or grant advantage on initiative. All right. Let's, let's, let's take care. Does that, and is that good even at first level? I believe so. Yes. All right. Thank you for, thank you DM for reminding me of what my character can do. (laughs) So Templeton is going to get a a second shot at it. It's called a vigilant blessing. It actually, you can actually give yourself advantage. I think they they, they would give Dutch the advantage. In either case, because of how badly the org rolled, we were still going to be in the first three spots, but I'll I'll read off. Dutch managed to squeeze up from a 7 to a 15, so that's pretty good. Olympia only has a 9, and St. Vincent only has a 4. However, our beastie rolled a 2. Where the party is entering is kind of broken down towers. I think, you know, spooky... Fog, fog, not so much fog as to preclude visibility, but so here's, it's just generally spooky. Yeah, what's interesting about this space is both of our, all three of our characters are at least pancakes about 40 feet away from this creature, and everyone else is 45 feet. So with movement speeds of 30, they're, none of them are going to be able to reach our baddie on their first round. Right. So I'm going to give me a second to think what, since Dutch goes first with Pancake on deck, let me give me a second to think through what Dutch is going to do. I think Dutch, because of their feature that they have as a bugbear, they have a surprise attack. And if you hit a creature that has not taken a turn yet in the current combat with an attack roll, they can do an extra 2d6 damage. So that even though they won't be able to get a sneak attack off, they can still use their surprise attack. So that's a pretty good advantage. Mm-hmm. So I think Dutch is going to pull out his, his short bow. He's going to move and he's going to, so he's going to move. He's going to move in the, not directly at this baddie, but sort of off to the right a little bit so that on his next turn, he can get into melee if he needs to, but he's still within decent range with his short bow, and he's going to take a shot with his short bow. Okay. And then use his surprise attack to do some extra damage. 
So he has. So we're going to talk a little bit more about the action to come here. He has. He has a, a an action. So he's done a move. He can do. He can move both before and after his action, and he can split up his move any way he wants. So he's going to move a little bit. He's moved about 15, 20 feet forward, uh, a little bit to the right, and he's going to take a shot with his short bow. Ooh, not the best roll. He rolled a twelve. That bounces off the rather heavy armor that this figure is wearing. It pelts off one of the shoulder pauldrons and uh, meat for my pots. That's what you are. Nice. All right. Well, Dutch is a little thrown off by that. He thought he was for sure going to be able to get a little extra oomph in on his first attack. Next up, Pancake's job is to pancake things. So Pancake is going to try to move forward in a way that will help cut off the orc from 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 getting to Dutch because these are some pretty squishy characters. Pancake cannot quite get one, two, three, four, five, six. So with an action, Pancake, normal action, Pancake could not get to the orc. Couldn't However, because you can dash as an action and double your your distance if, if they just moved and not dashed, they would be unable to reach the orc. But because they can dash, they can double their movement, but not attack. So that is what Pancake's going to do. She's going to so move I, all the way up. So this is a tactical thing. The other thing that Pancake could do would be to move their full movement and then take the dodge action. So the dodge action, you're not... Because they can't move all the way to them and then attack. That's what uh, that I would have done. I would have moved up and then taken the dodge action because that forces the other party to have disadvantage on their attacks. That's a good move. I'm, is- I'm going to stick with what I did, but I like that move. I'm thinking Pancake is slightly aggressive and a little confident and yep. believes that their job is to engage on the first action. So that's what they did. But I like okay. that move too. That's a strong particularly at these squishy levels that might have been a better move but pancake's a little reckless <laughs> okay okay so then saint vincent's up so what saint is saint vincent's vincent? up saint vincent is sharp enough to know that that possibly sleep might not be the best move at this point in time because this is a, a single character and may have we're a little metagame it, but like is, has a little bit more possibility i'm gonna wait for a hit or two to land before trying to cast sleep so I think St. Vincent is going to also move up again, not directly into combat direction, but we move a little bit so that it'll be hard for this character, this baddie to get to them. Get to my map so I can see what I'm doing. It's gonna move one, two, three. I'm gonna move about 20 feet forward up next to Dutch behind Pancake, but is going to cast a spell. Mm-hmm. This spell is a, a cantrip, so does not require a spell slot to use. It's called Toll the Dead. And you point at one creature you can see within range, and the sound of a dolorous bell fills the air around it for a moment. The character Boom. must see... Boom. Maybe, yeah, maybe I'm trying to think what... what, what, what Saints. It's probably some more like a guitar. Some yeah, I was thinking like guitar a guitar riff. riff right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this succeed must. This target must succeed on a wisdom saving throw or take one d8 necrotic damage. If they were missing any damage at this point, they would take one d12, which would be pretty spectacular. 
So uh, they rolled a 10, which I believe fails. That is a failure against the attack save. The, the save was a wisdom 13, which is really pretty good. That's really good, good for a first level character. Okay. So I and get wisdom's to do... a good choice. This is not a not a necessarily a super wise character. Right. So this I get to do 1d8 damage. I do not roll well. I roll a 1. Oh. But I'll take any damage I can get at this point, because okay. moving forward, I might be able to do a lot more. That's my turn. All right, so um, just a quick... The, the pancake is up right next to the org, sort of blocking off their access to our other two heroes who are about 25 feet away from, yeah, thir- 25, 30 feet away from our baddie at this point behind pink. Okay. So the org has multi-attacks. So it can take two attacks. Wait, oh, um, it has some other things. So it is going to swing its great axe at, at pancake for a 17. I believe misses. That does miss because Pancake is built to uh, has, to has, has their Warhammer and their shield out and has a armor class of 19. Now, and so now this is sort of DM talking. The org is frankly is probably you know, capable of knocking down even Pancake if they get through their armor. They're capable of knocking them down in one blow, right? So as a, if you are a DM who is trying to knock out your party you you could continue to attack pancake until pancake is down so i'm gonna attack pancake with my two multi-attacks my second one second one is a 12 which misses all right pancake pancake rushing in was prepared for this and had their shield well situated knowing full well that they were going to take the ire of the orb yep so i have a function called aggressive so as a bonus action i can move up to my speed towards a hostile creature that it can see so i'm going to use my bonus action and risk the opportunity attack and charge up to the one creature who has hurt me oh dear saints i charge take two slashes at pancake don't do anything whirl spin around them and run away which provides if pancake wants to do it pancake can make an opportunity attack Absolutely. To, so to you have a number of actions in your action economy. One is your your movement, which we've shown a bunch of. Another is your action, which we've done. You also have a bonus action. You can do certain things with a bonus action. In the last combat, Dutch successfully used their bonus action to do an offhand attack, which is sort of not the best attack, but was sort of a desperate situation and was able to close out the game with it. Another thing you have is a reaction, which can sort of happen outside of your general turn and you can use them when a character moves out of your space after being engaged with you as what's called an opportunity attack. So Pancake is absolutely going to use the opportunity attack to attack with their Warhammer and rolls quite well. Rolled a oh, 23, Andy. That will hit. So because Pancake has is using a shield, there are two options with a Warhammer. You can use a Warhammer one-handed or two-handed one-handed is 1d8 plus three two-handed is 1d10 plus three but we want that we want that armor so we were using it one-handed oh my gosh that is a terrible roll four points of damage yeah that was a roll to one another one okay as i've got it injured but not by much that was our creature so now it's templeton's turn all right back to dutch we're at the top of the round We've reset. Let's see. On the plus side, Dutch can benefit here from having one of their allies next to this creature for the moment to do a sneak attack. So I think what Dutch is going to do, and this is, you know, DMs, you can choose to do this however you want. 
you can you can let your character swap out weapons you can ask them to do a little bit more formal i'm just going to describe it how i would do it if they were going to continue to use their short bow they would be at disadvantage because this org is right up next to them so they're going to drop their short bow and pull out their rapier which is really dutch's favorite weapon so he's actually quite happy to do this and if he now moves away he would have to pick up his short bow or figure out something to do there but that's up to the dms of discretion and how and i would say most dms in 5e you're hot swapping weapons it's not there's no cost to you swip your you know quickly throw your bow on the back wrap it around your your shoulders and then but i'm i like the idea of him just throwing it down yeah all right Let's see what Dutch can do now. This is a little nerve-wracking because Dutch did not. Dutch was hoping to be not facing this creature so quickly. But Andy, oh nice! Dutch just critted on his first hit with the rapier and a sneak attack. So what does that mean, Andy? What is what do you? That means you get to uh, you get to roll. I rolled rolled a natural twenty on the die. Not a calculated 20, but a natural 20 on the die. He has plus five, so he rolled a 25 to hit, but because he rolled a 20 on the die, he gets to critical attack. So what that means for Dutch is that under normal circumstances, you would roll a D8 and a D6, and then you would add three for dexterity bonus. But because you rolled a crit, you get to roll two D8 and two D6. And then you add the plus three. You don't double the plus three. You just yep. get to add the plus three on top of your two days. So I'm going to first roll my crit damage in with my rapier. And so we should also say that there are alternate rules for crit damage, which sometimes, which we've talked about, which would be to say like, oh no, you just get eight points and six points plus whatever you roll, which I'm happy if you want to do that. This, if we wanted to do that for this oh, let's one, do, we, let's yeah. do the real, let's do the real the formal rules. I, I, I prefer that rule personally, but let's do the, let's do it by the book rules as written for the moment so i rolled a seven and a one plus three so it's 11 on my rapier okay pretty good and then on my sneak attack too bad i couldn't have gotten this with my surprise attack if you're on DD beyond you can just roll your damage but then if you right click with your mouse it'll it'll let you choose flat roll or crit damage so you can just calculate it really quickly I rolled really quick like, well there too. I got a nine. So I did oh, 20 points of 20 damage. 20 points of damage. Wow. For a level one character, that is out of control. Good. That is great. That's awesome. I don't so, think I took out this orc though. No, 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 no. You did not. It's not St. Vincent's turn. Uh, no, it's Pancake's turn. Oh, you're right. It is Pancake's turn. That's right. What is Pancake going to do? Pancake was really actually quite distressed that the orc ran past them but i don't think that deters them they're now really nervous about saint in particular because this he pancake knows for sure that saint is at high risk here so pancake's gonna rush up so now we've got we've surrounded this work it doesn't give us any advantage to surround somebody in 5e again so andy mentioned sort of custom rules for crits a lot of dms also have custom rules for uh, they call it for what's called flanking flanking which generally is if you have two characters on opposite sides of a monster that would give either of those characters would then have advantage on those things i don't i don't use it all that often. i don't use it find it it's a little it can be a little it, it's just it's just extra it's extra just harder. so we don't have that, but we've now surrounded this org, and now first thing Pancake's going to do is take a swipe. Again, really believes deeply in their abilities and kind of likes to hit things with their Warhammer, so I think they're just going to take a, a, a big swing 
rush up behind this org and did not roll well. Now, so I've used my I've used my movement, I've used my function, and now I have a bonus action. Um, well, then let me think what I might do with my bonus action. Then I'm I'm going to take an offhand attack then as my bonus. Just shield smash. Yeah, something like that. Unarmed, it, it's still going to be fundamentally. I can do an unarmed attack, right? I can't use my warhammer again, but I can do an unarmed strike. We'll just call it my shield smash, but it's basically going to be an unarmed attack. Well, this is a case also like as a DM, you could just tell somebody just make your unarmed unarmed strike, just roll your unarmed strike, and then we'll you know we'll kind of figure it out on the fly. Well, um, I only got a if it, with the if you 13. let me count my bonus, I get a thirteen. Yeah. So that that's still insufficient. This is a pretty heavily armored character. So I'm gonna, then, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna say like I'm just gonna be really aggressively trying to get this creature's attention and and make them nervous yeah. about what Pancake can do. I know that right. I know that Dutch just did a, a huge amount of damage, but like I'm gonna try to really make myself a big threat as make much a, as possible. You know, so, okay, here's the thing: make an intimidation check. Okay. So I look on my my skill set and oh, that's pretty um, good. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we built. A little extra charisma into pancake for obvious reasons and so and we gave proficiency in intimidation at some point because that just, just seemed right for pancake so they have a plus two and i rolled well i got a 17. okay it's still Great. up to the dm's discretion to see whether that actually does anything but yeah, yeah the goal is okay. to get their attention and now Saint vincent it's your turn okay saint vincent does not want to be here but it is quite dangerous for saint vincent now as a DM, I'm gleeful here because I've put, tactically, I've put the player into a position where they have to make some hard choices about what they want to do. They can attack and hope that I don't attack them. They can try, they can disengage, but that would require their action. And then they have, they don't, they're not able to do anything. It's a less productive round for them, but it's safer. Or, you know, they could try to- How, how is, how damaged, do, do I have any sense of how damaged this org is with, with Dutch's uh, big hit? In, in the terms of, of, of what fourth edition or I forget where one bloodied existed. He is bloodied, but he is definitely still capable of fighting. He is definitely not on the cusp. Uh, well, I have, two, I have two options that I'm considering here, and I'll just describe them to everybody because I'm still not 100% sure what I'm going to do. I have a really good spell that we took called, oh, and I, you know, I, I should have cast Bless. I, did, I really did not think smartly about this as I should have. An, an, a good, a good person playing a cleric, I don't play a lot of clerics, would have cast Bless <laughs> right out of the bat rather than that Toll of the Dead, but I was so so itching to do some damage that I cast Toll of the Dead. Bless would have helped out both my fellow heroes with giving them a, a D, 1d4 on their attack rolls. I do have, I could cast Bless now, but if I do that, I will be remaining within this org's attack range. I could cast command I, I did have some success with a wisdom based attack they would have to succeed a wisdom throw I could make them drop their weapon which is yeah. which is pretty powerful in this case and because then it ends its turn it basically would be a really would basically make you them could, skip a turn you command them to fall yeah I could or, yeah or, fall or, or I ba basically uh, could make them whatever I run, want them to you do can I can make them to basically, basically make them lose a turn which is pretty good. I could also fly away. <laughs> I, I was not, again, I also was not playing this character particularly small. I could have flown up and been at like 20 or 30 feet so that I was completely out of range regardless of where I was standing. So I, I did not optimize my first round. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Um, thanks, that's all right. That's thanks, what happened at first level. <laughs> I got so excited about being in combat that I just didn't think through all my great options. I think because of that, because I was a little, Saint was a little arrogant and a little um, reckless, Saint has realized their mistakes in their first round and is going to take the disengage action so that they can retreat without putting themselves at risk. And they are going to just retreat five feet, so not very far on the map, but is going to fly up. So they're going to be like out of the range. 15 feet up in the air. Yeah, like 15, 20 feet up in the air. So they're still very close to the action, but not at any risk of being hurt. So Saint has disengaged and flown up. And that is the end of my three turns for my characters. And it is now up to the orc. Okay. So now, uh, yes, the so now it's time for the org to go. He's in tactically, he's in not a great position, um, but he knows fierce creature has has definitely disrupted the party's plan. But that intimidation check, I'm going to say that seventeen intimidation check is pretty good, especially if it's just like you know it's an aggressive hobgoblin screaming in the face of an aggressive orc. I think that's sufficient to get them to spin around on pancake again and make two attacks so they're going to swing their great axe this is a 22 to hit which i believe does that does hit and that is 13 points of damage whoa so pancake is quite beefy at first level but 13 points of damage leaves me with one hit point i really hope they miss on their next swing and i have one more attack which i roll a 10 all right even with the plus six to hit pancake Raises their shield at the last second and deflects this final blow yeah. after sort of screaming out in pain. Wow, that was um, brutal. That, yeah, that is their yeah, their great X. Their their average. It's a D twelve plus four. Mm. So thirteen is pretty good. Whack with that, but certainly capable of knocking. You know, if I rolled well on damage, you know, max out of sixteen, like I could take really. I could one hit any of these characters. Yeah. That's what's so dangerous about first-level encounters. But that is all that they can do. Their bonus action, they don't really have anything else. They're kind of at their their limit. But they hurt Pancake severely, and yeah, now it is Dutch's turn again. Back up to Dutch. Well, Dutch is starting to get a little nervous. This is not going as planned. This crew was a little bit more arrogant than maybe they should have been coming into it. Well, I mean, he did a huge amount of damage and the creature is still standing. Yeah, and they thought they were going to be able to rely on Pancake keeping them all safe. However, Dutch still can do sneak attack again because they are within ranged grouping. They don't really have a lot of else they can do, but they can definitely do that. Hopefully they don't. They could again. retreat a little bit, but again, I don't want to pr- provoke an opportunity attack with this creature that can one hit us, so that I could get out of range a little bit. But with my long limbs. But either way, I think given the situation and wanting to press our advantage in terms of how we're spread out. So Dutch is on one side of the sword, Pancake is on the other. Saint is safely up in the air and unreachable now. I think Dutch is going to just take another, going to take a risk here that Saint can get them back up and it's going to take a, try to just make another attack. I think that's all that Dutch can really do at this point. Yep. Try to close this thing out. And we're at the top of the third round of combat now. Yep. All right, Dutch, help us out here. Dutch steadies their, their nerves. 
and just lunges forward with as, as, as strong a blow as they can possibly manage, trying to thrust their rapier between this creature's armor and unfortunately does not roll particularly roll and rolls a nine. And that is not going to do it. Slides off the slides off the plate armor on the back of this creature's back, the spot where right. they tried to... Next up is then Pancake. Pancake, realizing what an incredibly dangerous situation they're in with one hit point left, but also knowing that it's their job to, to ensure that, that everybody is doing well, but does have a trick in the back pocket. First and foremost, they're going to take a try to take a hit, another hit with their Warhammer. From behind their shield, she rears back and delivers as mighty a blow as she can possibly do to, to do some damage on this. Oh, and rolls a five with a plus five, still only getting a ten. I, I might also suggest you use your bonus action for. Well, that's uh, why I'm just. Yeah. yeah, I will be. I will be in just a second. That I'm assuming the ten misses since everything else. Ten does, does miss. So you bounce off the bounce at your. Just this guy is very heavily armored. You, the, everybody's making contact, but it is not getting past the armor. It's not doing okay. damage. So neither Dutch nor Pancake are going to move because they they want to keep. Neither can disengage safely and. Do, Neither one wants to produce an opportunity attack with this creature because of how dangerous they are and feeling good about our positioning surrounding them. So that's that was their move actions and their actions, but, but Pancake does have a bonus action and has a very interesting feature as a fighter, um, and it's called Second Wind. So once per short rest, you can use a bonus action to regain 1d10 hit points plus one. So I am absolutely going to use my second wind because I only have one hit point left. And hopefully I roll well. I roll a 10, Andy. Nice. I regain 11 hit points. That was exactly that what is. I needed <laughs> at this point in time. Because that was... That is the, the, you are an athletic. You you dig deep. You can yeah. hear your mother in the background. Hey, Pancake, what are you doing? Yeah. You know? A little that is not what I expect of you, Pancake. Yeah, exactly. And digs deep and <laughs> gets a sec good, strong second wind. We're getting 11 hit points. So now Pancake is fortunately almost back up to full with 12 hit points. Yeah. Still recognizing that, that this org can knock him out with one blow, but putting myself in a much better position to survive another blow yeah. if I have to take one. Yeah, so that's your turn. Now it's uh, up to Saint. What is Saint so do? Saint, Saint is floating recognizing the dire straits their, their friends are in and thinking, again, here's, this, here's the challenge of a first-level character. Both my friends missed. I could cast Bless on my friends in order to up their chances, but also recognizing that that this creature could take out either of my friends with one hit. So I have a choice here. I either help my friends so that next round they can do well, or I go on the offensive and come back to this idea of command and possibly give my friends another shot at taking this guy out. That is a hard choice, actually. The, the conundrum of the of the caster. Right? So um, many options. Especially clerics who have both buff spells and, at this level, some decent options for offense. So if I were in tactically in your position, I would think of what's happening next, right? So in, yeah. so this is, so the next thing that happens is this creature is going to attack. That, that's sort of what, I, that's where I've yeah. been leaning. I'm, I'm trying to play this character as a cleric, which would say bless, but I do not want either of my friends to get hit. Yeah. And even though it's a save or suck, which means that it either works or it doesn't, I'm going to take the risk and I'm going to 
whisper words of darkness uh, that sort of reach out as tendrils and I say, drop. Uh, and this, these whispers carry forward to the ears of the org who now needs to uh, I speak one word command to a creature you can see within range. The target must succeed a wisdom saving throw or follow the command. If the spell has no effect, if it's undead or it doesn't understand your language. Some typical commands are, you know, you can choose anything you want, but some of the typical ones are approach, drop, flee, grovel, halt. I'm going to say drop. I want them to drop that big nasty weapon. Okay. You speak your words of command and you see the the great axe start to dip out of this character's, this creature's hands. But and then you see him shake his head, grab it and and bring it back up in fury. So I rolled an 18. That's just... It was the right move. I I I can't take hits and this could stop two swings of that axe. It's far better than giving my guys a plus four. Right. Okay. Not even a plus four, an option of a plus four. An option of a plus four. Yeah, he's just going to continue. The org does not have a lot of, you know, variety necessarily to how they fight, but they just hit hard. So he's going to make two more attacks. First one is going to be against Pancake, which is a 12. Uh, Misses. Miss. Pancake shrugs, lifts her shield and shrugs it off. And then he's going to whirl and take an attack against Dutch, Oof. which is a 22 and is 12 points of slashing damage. Uh, Dutch, shocked. Like Dutch was just starting to think how he was really glad to have Pancake there. Uh, distracting this org and and was getting ready to do another, like says, I, I think I can see a hole in this armor and is preparing one more blow and is caught completely off guards when the org swings around and, and delivers a hefty blow, completely knocking Dutch out. I'm doing my job. Guess what? It, now it would be Dutch's turn. Yep. You know, and I think, you know, at this point, the org then whirls back around at at Pancake and kind of leers and chuckles in their face and is one down. <laughs> and, and both uh, Pancake it, and Saint let, let out a, no, Dutch! <laughs> in unison. Yeah, Dutch is down, it is Dutch's turn. Dutch needs to make me a death save there, Michael. Yeah, so death saves, I like the mechanic because it keeps people around and it gives you options to figure out what to do next. You can metagame this a engaged. little bit, right? Yeah, like, keeps... But the idea here is that he's he's unconscious and dying. So it gives your, your other characters a chance to save them. And I just need to roll on a straight roll, a, a 10 or above. Right. So three failures mean that your character is dead for real. Three successes mean your character stabilizes and is just unconscious. All right, here we go. D20. Rolling to save. And there are no bonuses. Oh, yes. I rolled okay, that's a 10. 10. That's a success. One success. Dutch, is, lucky wow, guy that he is, is hanging in there. Yeah, right on right on the thin edge, the razor's edge. I have a uh, feeling that everybody's going to be complaining about how I play this cleric, but we're, we're going to keep doing it. <laughs> like, what you know, are here's you the doing? thing. You, you here, but I will say, cleric. like, that, like, that, this is what first level players are figuring out right you know so yes so like a a highly optimized person who's played a lot your first action would have been to cast bless Mm -hmm. and fly up 30 feet yep and then you would have been using command or fairy fire or anything else so you're standing off maybe you're saving one of your 
you use bless and then you're basically using toll the dead or something yeah. in the meantime until you can that that is how that character probably best functions is to yeah. cast we, that and then stand the whole off. point but, here is to show you what it's like to play a first level character yeah and then we're playing like mistakes. a first level like a new player yeah everybody's like um, michael you are you are not a good <laughs> Um, um, to be fair, this is the org is not an easy. This is not no. an easy encounter. We, we we made these hard, and and I'm also just playing in the moment, you know. Yep. Okay, it's um, pancakes turn. And I, you know, India, I always say that that failure is far, sometimes far more interesting than success. Yes. All right. Hopefully, not mass failure. Um, <laughs> all right. So pancake, pancake, recognizing that this is a bad situation for everybody, but also knowing that it's on them and that they have a shot to really make. A move here. Let me just double check my the things I can do. Make sure I'm not leaving anything off. All right, I still can possibly. I I can see two allies. I, I uh, so here's the question: a rule rules lawyer question. I still can see two allies, right? Even if Dutch is unconscious. <laughs> yes. Okay. So, so I, I in I, the I context of rogues, because this comes up a lot. Does an unconscious in the in terms of rogues? Does an unconscious ally count as an ally for like purposes of sneak attack? I would say no, but right. for the purposes of in the way this that is written, they don't really make a distinction. I would pro I would say in this case, I would be generous and say yes, it probably okay. does. So I do have a I do have a, an ability to get a plus two on my hit if I need it. I'm gonna just take another big mighty swing with this warhammer and just keep trying to make sure that. That this this org stays away from taking a swipe at my unconscious friend or figuring out some way to attack my friend in the air. So here we go. Everything's riding on this 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 twenty two. Oh, that That's hits seventeen plus five. That was a good roll. All right, regular attack damage. I roll a five. So I rolled a two plus three. That's five more damage to this org. Five points of damage. Okay. I know I'm not getting him out, but so hopefully... The org has an AC of 19. They're wearing plate armor. They're quite beefy. They uh, they have a great axe and a javelin. They make two great axe attacks or one javelin attack. Oh, but Saint gets to go. Yes, Saint, okay. Saint's turn coming I know what Saint's going to do. They had, they had... They start with 42 hit points. They're down to 12. Yes, no, I know exactly what I'm going to do. Now that now that actually this this benefits because I couldn't do this when he that when they were surrounded, but now that that Dutch is actually unconscious, Saint can do a very good move. <laughs> I can finally <laughs> play this like intelligently. <laughs> okay. So now that I so here's here's the thing. Previously I this org was surrounded. And so I couldn't get off my my really my top spell that we saw Andy use so effectively in the tavern, which is sleep. Because if I cast sleep, I would, there was no way for me to cast it without hitting my allies at all. But now that one of my allies is unconscious and has made their first saving throw, so is not at risk of dying mm -hmm. this round, even the one coming up will not die, I can actually get sleep off by positioning it in a way that it gets yep. the org. It would get Dutch, but Dutch is unconscious already, so it will yep. not affect them i can position the sleep spell in a way that can actually get this org and i i, I actually have a decent shot at making this work because i know that yep. they've also taken a lot of damage i would not have cast this in the first round against a big monster because we had no chance of affecting them but now i can close out a battle with it so yep. that's what i'm gonna do saint's gonna cast sleep and hope that it pays off here i have two slow spell slots we talked about this i've cast one with the command spell. So I have one left 
I'm going to try to make it count. All right, so I get to roll 5d8. And as we said before, uh, I just need to basically roll over a 12. I rolled 15. <laughs> did not roll well, but I rolled, I think, just enough. So I didn't, we're metagaming this, so I actually knew what I needed to roll. But I, I'm, I would say trepidatiously to Andy, I just rolled a 15. Is that enough? And, and I would say that you, you bark out some eldritch, you know, you oh, no, I think, your, I think, actually, I think. Is this it, like a lullaby? It, 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 like, sing yes, some, it's like, it's like some sort of like cure, cure kind of <laughs> evil lullaby. lullaby. Just sort of whispers this little, and you see all of a sudden the org kind of totters on his feet and then slumps to the ground right next to Dutch. Amazing. And, and then what I would immediately do after that, we would probably we would be able to move out of out of initiative. I would cast Spare the Dying on yep. on Dutch to stabilize them, and then probably cast. Well, I can't. I don't have any other spells, so it would really just be a Spare the Dying. Yeah. We'd have to spare the dying. You could say like, oh, if you wanted, to, you know, a, a, if you had a healer's kit or something like that, a DM might allow you get to get some points back. At the very least, you would. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 at this point, they've succeeded. So, yeah. like, yeah. we could play it however we wanted to play it. The DM <laughs> could be beneficial and allow me to wake up Dutch, or we could just we have to carry Dutch. You know, Dutch is unconscious and needs to. Yeah, be and so, and then as far as like this. That was close, so Andy. I, Both of these were actually really yeah, seriously dangerous encounters. Yeah, I was nervous. You do get into like the question of what do you do with the org now? He's asleep. You know, some parties are just going to be like, okay, well, we all like we stand around him and we just stab him until they're dead and hope that they can do fifteen points of stuff. Or you know, that is sort of the murder hobo way to do it. Or you might bind them. You know, tie yeah, them I up think they, and the, then uh, drag them not... back to. Uh, you know. Dutch, if Dutch were awake, might be in favor of stabbing them. <laughs> uh, but I think both Saint and Pancake have a little bit more. They're, they're a little bit more chaotic good, right? They're gonna both. They're gonna bind this org up as much as they could possibly do it. Take take off, you know, keep Strip pieces of their armor, the armor so that, yeah. you know, loot the guy, find what what he's found. You know, this is also the point at the in the fight where you might like, oh, hey, you know, whereas the bar fight led to some free drinks for everybody here. You know, they go and they search they search the guy's lair and they find some of the stolen merchandise and they also find like a small cache of gold so you know as a as a dm you might give them you know 30 or 40 gold pieces yeah and they're not so good that they would give the gold back to whoever he stole it from but they're certainly good enough to not kill the orc well who knows where that came from there's some silk or whatever maybe they find a small cart that they can dump the oregon and take him into town for uh, to have the appropriate yeah. authorities meet out some justice that was good andy i think you know we 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 showed how dangerous first level is we made i made some mistakes <laughs> um you didn't make any mistakes because you just didn't have a chance with the like losing the initiative order yeah um, yeah yeah i mean so so th- there's a couple things like i think at higher level combat higher level play Initiative order sometimes matters a little less. Yeah. Right. It's unlikely that you're going to get swamped in that first round of combat. It might hurt, but you're not going to get swamped. So in this case, the first combat, the party was going last and two of the party members were nearly knocked down. And the second one, you know, the, the, the single big bad is going, was going last in turn, but it didn't actually didn't end up mattering that much because his armor class was good enough that he only took in the first round of combat, he only took five or six points of damage. So one one point of damage. Yeah. Did, in yeah, the first yeah. round. Took, I told the one. dead in the first round. He only took one in the first round. In the second round he took 25. Yeah. So before Dutch got knocked down, Dutch 
took out almost half of his hit points. Yeah. That's you know? that's the power of of a, a rogue getting off their critical, yeah, getting yeah, off their sneak attack and then adding in a critical. critical you yes. can imagine that if I'd been able to do it on the first round with the surprise attack as well, yeah, I might have even been able to one shot him. It would have been close. Uh, I would have probably not, but you would have like you know if, if I you could have rolled... done another twelve points max. 12 points, you're right yeah but it would have been it would have been really close yeah so Um, yeah that's i mean that's that's how first level combat goes um all right so the next up and we'll probably do this in our next episode andy so let's let's wrap up this episode we're going to do level three combat and we'll show how that all plays out that was that was pretty cool i liked that I liked yeah. the combat. I liked how dangerous it was. I like that I, I I really made it really clear that I don't play a lot of clerics um, <laughs> because I just did not play that cleric well. But that's okay. That's what happens at first level. You're figuring your character out. And sometimes as you're figuring it out, everybody dies. It's true. It's true. Well, let's see. This is appropriate. You know, using bardic inspiration on a medicine check? No. It's, but... a, it's essentially just a Band-Aid. <laughs> Guitar, guitar riff. Yeah, guitar riff. I don't know. Not, maybe it. not our best, but I like that one. I, I that do. One. I like that one. That D and D dad um, All right, Andy. We've done everything we said we were going to do today. Yeah. You want to give the socials, and then we'll peace out. Yeah, for sure. If you're looking to reach out, you can find us on not very active on the bird site, but you can still you still have a presence there. We're at the dad bandage or the underscore dad bandage on Twitter. You can also find us on Facebook as the, the dad bandage podcast on Facebook. We get a lot of engagement there and we'd love to hear more. So if you guys have thoughts about the episode, comments on how we've set up these encounters or anything else like that, we'd love to hear it. Tell your friends, give us a rating Please, on yeah. all the podcast apps. All that stuff is really useful for us to get out there. We're also on Mastodon as at the advantage at dice.camp and we're starting to get more active on there as that the DD population in mastodon starts to grow i highly recommend there's some good follows on there as well and yeah all right well let's wrap this one up andy thank you everybody we really appreciate you listening to us sit around and do silly things with dnd and right. we'll we will keep doing this series where we explore base combat or initial early level combat for for relatively new players we're going to do a, another future of D&D coming up. We'll talk about the whole OGL mess that sort of happened over the last month and has unfolded. We're also going to do a little bit more you know, tips and tricks. I think we'll do some more tips and tricks episodes. And I think we've got another character build coming up. So while we've yeah. done sort of these three basic character builds, we might do a fun, maybe we do a big bad build or something like that. Cool. We've got a couple things we can do. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. <laughs> oh, that word. Yeah. <laughs> stupid goblins. We'll do a whole episode on voices. I know. Oh, my God. Right. There's so many different <laughs> ways to do it. Yeah.